Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is already is February 1st, and it's Friday, my favorite day of the week, and I don't even know why, and I'm going away today until Sunday morning, and I think it's going to rain all day on Saturday, but we got to go, and we will be back, and I will see you guys on Monday, but today, I had a surprising question because we talk about it all the time. It's someone who's here all the time, most of the time, and it's anonymous as a result. But I have to say, it it really gave me an appreciation of how much our feelings fluctuate and can go back and forth on us. Question was, Nadia, can you keep this anonymous? How do I start to love myself? How do I know when I am? And thank God for question number two, because I probably would have gone off into another area of talking about self-love. But when we say, how do I know when I am? Self-love come and go. It's not situational. It's not like you can really love yourself today and then really hate yourself tomorrow. That's just, you, you don't have a stability in how you feel about yourself. If it's, you know, up and down and all over the place. But self-love is like once it's there, and, and it's not something that, you wake up and you get a report card and it says, oh, I just graduated in self-love because you can hear things all day long, feel them. They're not going to click in. And there's certain things that we do, certain ways that we behave when we're coming from a place of inner love, love for ourselves. Because You know, we run into a lot of people who try to please. I was one of them, big people pleaser. And it's not that I don't please people anymore in my mind. It's that I don't do it the same way. I don't do it out of insecurity where I felt that nobody would like me anymore. And if I did do it, then they liked me. But what did that do to me? That made me insecure about being loved. Because I thought, in my mind, as long as I take care of everybody, they'll be happy with me. And coming from the culture I did, 
which is very restrictive and, you know, you're only as good as what you've done, your last thing you've done, which keeps you nervous all the time, is that I thought to myself, wow, at least for a while, as long as I do what everybody wants me to do, my mom wants me to do this, or my husband wants me to do that, or everybody wants, and I, and I start doing it. Now, what I realized was I was working for everybody. I was working for them. I had no clue what I wanted. Deep inside, I think I did. I I knew that, and I used to tell my mom, and I was 12 years old, that there's no way as an adult that I could live in Chicago. Because I would never be able to be myself here. Because everybody lies about who they are. And I, when I say everybody, with the exception of two people, my mom's best friend and my grandmother, on my dad's side, everybody I knew facade of being perfect. Because in my background, being Muslim, you were perfect, you prayed five times a day, you didn't eat this, didn't do that, didn't go here, didn't do, you know, there was just a list of what you couldn't do was so long that what you could do was so limited that if you didn't fit in that line, that limited line, you were bad. People talked about you. And the minute you do something, someone would see you and they would relish in talking about you. Pretty darn tired of it. And I wanted people to love me for me. And I dared it. And I ran away from home when I got, I was an adult, but I ran away from home. I wanted something to prove to me that I was loved no matter what I did. So I pushed the envelope. I became rebellious for love. But I didn't understand that self-love wouldn't have cared for someone to prove they loved me. But what was really happening was I was trying to prove to myself that I was worth love. Like, geez, somebody. Now, as an adult, how would I deal with that by loving myself, which is maybe how I can hopefully tell you how you can, how you would know. Whatever comes your way, let's say I was in the same situation, but I was more aware of myself at the time, I wouldn't need to prove anything. I would have probably just went along, worked my way out of it in a different fashion. Instead of running away, I would have finished school, gotten a job that took me out of the state without making a big production about it, and I would have had a plan. But because that feeling of not feeling loved unconditionally was there, even though I knew Mike and me, but I was dealing with the whole community. Everybody was. All the kids were. 
We were all in the same boat. We were born here. All of our parents were born there. And we were trapped. We all came out strong because we all were forced in a really weird way to search for being loved for who we were. Now we look back to many of them. And I have enough sisters to create a tribe, but talking about self-love, it manifested itself in different ways in all of us. My naturally quiet sister is just naturally quiet and she accepts it and she's fine with it and she's not trying to be someone she isn't. She married somebody outside of our background. Nobody talked to her. Someone from the community spit at her in a mall when they saw her. Later in years, when they learned to love themselves and the older people started to die, the people that were left came back with love. There was redemption of love. So just that example Let's take what goes on in our heads when it comes to loving ourselves. Do we judge ourselves? Would we spit on ourselves for not doing something good that other people would say, oh, wow, down when we feel we're behind? Behind what? It's not that loving yourself is passive. Loving yourself is probably the biggest, most aggressive move you could make in your lifetime. Because once you feel solid, anything that comes to you is looked at with objectivity as opposed with subjectivity and what you need from it and how it's going to make you better and how it's going to change your life. And yet you change your life. You feel whole. You feel connected to yourself. You feel that inner peace. So there's some stuff that won't even come to you because of that. Because the person who will bring it to you will instinctively know not to talk to you about that. You will take yourself out of the talking world, the judging world, because you yourself will not need to do it. That's one way to know. When you stop talking about other people, when you don't judge anyone, because all of that reflects yourself. It's hard when you're just with yourself to know if you're doing anything that's actually different. When you don't feel like the guy who's working next to you is better than you, stronger than you, makes more money than you do. Or the woman is running a better company or a better home or has better children. All of that goes away. It's not what happens that makes you realize that you love yourself. It's what isn't happening around you makes you realize that you love yourself, that you have a sense of yourself. We have been taught over and over and over again that loving yourself 
is not a good thing. You're either conceited or you're a show-off, but that's the ego's version of love yourself. The true version is actually pretty cool, better than anything ego can deliver, that's for sure. And sometimes when we see ego on steroids and, you know, there's the, the red Porsche with the 50-year-old guy in it or a woman who felt like her body wasn't beautiful anymore and went and re, reimagined it. And it may have gone well, it may have not. It's always risky to do that because you just really don't know how good is your doctor. But you don't have to do those things because when you know yourself, those things make you laugh. Not at the people who are doing them, at yourself for thinking them. Like, no, why would I want to do that? But a lot of stuff in your life just starts to go away. If you could think of your life as this body of work and all of the contents of everything you've done is in a sieve and you're shaking that sieve throughout your life. It's shaking, it's shaking. In everything that becomes so small that you don't pay attention to it anymore and you don't kind of need it anymore, it starts falling through those tiny holes in the sieve. And so you're always left with new contents. Every day you wake up in your lifetime is truly a new day. Whether you see it or not, believe it or not, feel it or not, it is a new day. Feeling that of being aware of it. I remember I was in the gym. This was a long time ago, and if you're a regular listener, you've heard me tell this story, but it's a quick one. There's a man. I always do this thing where I hang on a machine and I lift my legs up, so I'm literally hanging in the air, and if somebody walks by, they may not even see me because my feet aren't on the ground. And I I can't remember now his first name. Jeez. Gosh, that's, that's one of my little old, older age things. But anyways, oh, Jim. So then he walks by, and I say, hey, Jim, how are you? What's going on? And he turns around, I have to swear to say this, but I'm quoting him, but he goes, same shit, different day. And I thought, and he wasn't kidding. And after he said that, I was like, hmm. What do I say to that? I didn't say anything. I didn't even go, oh, yeah, man, of course, mistakes suck. Why would I say that? I didn't say anything. I just let him keep going. And I will never forget that side look because all I could see was the side of his face saying that, not even looking at me, just looking straight, walking, and he's working out. Because what would it take out of me to actually say that? To wake up. I mean, now I'm starting my day like that. So how did seeing Christ affect that? What does Christ say about those things? Because Christ is the one who taught me self-love. To what are my intentions? Let's say I did wake up and say that. 
And I wasn't really stable yet in how I felt about myself. I didn't feel that contentness or that level of stability. And I wanted to say same stuff, different day, every single day that I would wake up. And I would be frustrated. First thing Christ would say is ask yourself why you just said that. So imagine that guy saying, wow, why do I say that? Oh, because maybe I'm bored. Maybe I'm frustrated. Maybe there's things I haven't gotten to. You start to dig. And it's not a big thing. People think that that's just the normal way to be. However, the minute you start asking yourself questions, why do I feel nervous about this? Why do I feel anxious about this? Why is my heart beating so fast? While it's happening, because if you try to do it afterwards, you cannot self-reroute or correct to help yourself. But if while your heart is beating fast and while you are feeling anxious and you say, oh, I think I should breathe, anxious like this around the same time every day, I wonder why. Do I start to feel overwhelmed about the day? Just that awareness of asking yourself a question begs for you to answer yourself and when you do answer yourself after asking yourself a question whether you realize it or not you are now working with yourself and once you start working with yourself you start discovering parts of you that you could not even imagine you had and that is decision making skill and I know we do it at time. We know we got to go to work. We got to get this done. The only way to go from A to B is to do these 10 things. But when it comes to our emotions, for some reason, we do not apply that same knowledge. So what does it look like? How do you know you love yourself? Take a look at what exists in your life and ask yourself, how much of what exists in your life you are doing that you really want to be doing and how much of it is stuff that really pressures you to the point that you are not enjoying your life. We all have the capability of enjoying our lives so that you are enjoying your life in one way or another and you have not addressed that in your mind you're saying that you don't matter so if anyone comes to you and says you don't matter you're going to fight with them because you need to prove to yourself that you do which is what I did when I was younger I needed to push my parents' button because I wanted to know without a shadow of a doubt I could be loved no matter what I did, that I wasn't only loved because I was trying to be perfect for everyone. I remember, because now this is after I'd I'd run away from home and after I made my big stink about wanting to be loved, even though that's not what anyone equated it to. 
It was like, how could you have done that? And I said, this just wasn't okay. I needed to get away from this. And this is way before I saw Christ. I was out of the loop of everyone pretending to be perfect. I was so tired of watching that blank look on on faces. And yet they were telling me what to do in my biggest fulfillment fulfillment in life would have been marrying someone through an arranged marriage of some kind, not being able to choose and making everyone proud by being a good mother and probably working and taking care of everything while no one else really pushed themselves. And I just, I couldn't fulfill that role. And my question was, which, you know, I had a lot of questions before I saw Christ, but one of them was, if our lives are already mapped out for us and we just come in to fulfill a template, if that's what we're doing, then why do we need to come? Why should I come here and feel all this frustration and then not be able to have a way out? And you do feel, when you're younger, you don't feel avenues out because you don't want to be without the people that you love. And you understand them, but if you've grown past them, it's hard to stay put in any situation. We do graduate in life over time. Start in kindergarten and we all end up somewhere. And it's a progression. It's a million baby steps. But if you have to be stunted, you will feel frustrated because now it's not in your hands to be stunted. So when we stunt ourselves and say, well, I can't tell people how I really feel. Well, we don't, it's, it's not product dumping when you tell people how you feel. When you tell people how you feel, they get to know you better. And when they get to know you better, you start to feel that you can be loved. And when you start to feel that you can be loved, you start to reciprocate in a different way, not in a needy way. Like, oh, prove to me you love me. Oh, save me. Oh, you know, take this pressure off of me. Care of me in a million ways. Otherwise, I won't think you love me. Now you're putting, you know, that same pressure I felt as a kid. I used to think it was cultural, but when I got out of the culture or the norms of the culture, I found that that existed pretty much everywhere. I remember when I first got divorced in, in the 90s, in the late 90s, and I would go out on dates and I would hear these men complain. And they're, you know, well-to-do and by all intents and purposes should be very happy in my mind because to me it was freedom. I was focused on freedom. I'd say, well, why aren't they happy? They, they have freedom. And I can't tell you how many times I sat there thinking, ah, I just wish I stayed home. I don't need any more complaining. I don't want to feel like I have to fix the world. I just want to be happy. I want to live in my home and cook dinner and enjoy the weekends. And, you know, my mind was there. This is before I saw Christ. And, And, you know, we're pretty simple. Once we start to clean up. So how do you know you're there? 
you start to recognize that those kinds of things, you start to know what kinds of things aren't where you want your soul to spend its time. And you look at it as your soul spending time somewhere. You look at it as valuable time. You don't look at time like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with today? Another day, (gasps) 12 hours of being awake or, you know, 16 hours of being awake. What am I going to do with that time? Instead, you're like, wow, I only have 12 hours and I want to do this and this and this. Sometimes you'll get tired and you'll say, wow, this is my day off. And on my day off, I'll go for a walk. I'll read a book. I'll cook something at home, whatever it is. I'll go shopping, whatever it is. You have a working relationship with what lives inside of you without words that take away from you, without putting yourself down for not reaching something. You have reached something. You've reached this day. And if you say you want to do something, you will get there. You just have to be patient with yourself. It's not like a job where you get something done and then you start and finish a new thing. You're an entire body of work. Day one, you may not remember everything, but while you were there, you did. You reacted. You did something. When you see similar situations, you start to react. That comes from somewhere. So if you don't pay attention to what's inside, it does start to catch up with us as we get older because that piece that we were looking for when we thought once we made enough money or we thought once we moved to a certain area or once we married this person or once our kids grew up, all those thoughts that were waiting for these thresholds to go by for us to find peace, and then we get there and we're like, what just happened? Everybody's gone. What do I shoot for now? I'm just alone. Gosh, and I, my husband and I are still here and the kids are gone. And who are we? Instead of being scared of that and feeling empty, say, wow, this is what redefining my life looks like. Because it all goes back to awareness. Always ask yourself questions. Always make comments or statements about your life to yourself, like, oh, wow, my kids are gone. Huh, I'm going to find out what it feels like to live this next of my life, as opposed to I feel empty, I feel sad, how are they doing without me, fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt. None of that comes from God. And if I had to choose to follow fear, doubt, worry, control, or guilt, or ask myself questions, I would definitely take the ask myself questions route. And I found that when I do, sometimes I can't answer those questions. So what do I do? I say, hey, you know what? Let me put the question out there. The answer will come. What do I do with the rest of my life? I'm like, why are you asking me? Ask yourself. What do you do with the rest of your life? How would you expect me to know that? Christ doesn't give magic answers. He gives us experiences and questions. 
I used to feel like I was in a maze every time I asked him a question. I started thinking twice before I did ask him a question. And, you know, being Christ, he would see me go through that whole process, which I thought was funny. But because our free will is not interfered with, he didn't say, oh, poor Nadia, she doesn't know what to do next. I didn't say that. He's like, yeah, let me, let me whip Nadia into shape. Let me give her something here to really, really, really show her this lesson. And I learned to feel excited over time. I went through that period where, wow, do I really want to know that to throw it at me? I can handle it. Because as I grew inside to myself, like, okay, why am I doing this? Um, uh, Liam had a question. I'm sorry, it's so late in the show. We only have like 34 seconds. I have a question. Christ says in Origins of Truth that he is not Jesus and that Jesus is the humanized version of him. Who is Jesus? He is Jesus. That was his name when he was here. That's what it was. It was just his name while he was here. But when he, when I saw him, he said he was Christ because she is the angel of love. I have to end on that note. The show is finishing. I love you guys. I'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.